Do we need? Do we need a legacy uh, intro? Like yeah. Legacy. Legacy. Okay, you need to. Woo! Legacy. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Pub Meeple Podcast. This episode we'll be talking about our experiences at Criticon as well as some legacy games. I'm Gary. I'm Proper Brian. Chuck here. And I'm Just Brian and... As is tradition, let's go around the table and talk about the brews that we are drinking. I'm Proper Brian has something that I've been smelling for the last 30 minutes mm. or so while we've been setting up, and it's a good smell. It is so good. What, is the, what are you drinking there? Well, you know, we talk about tradition, and uh, as, to stick with tradition, I've brought another coffee. And this time, um, it's getting a little late, so I brought a decaf coffee because I don't want to be up to all hours of the, uh, the morning. Um, need sleep, you know, but so I brought a decaf coffee, but this one is, uh, uh, I got it from our local HEB here, and I don't know if you have an HEB where you are, um, but if you are, they have some great, great coffees there. Um, it's the, uh, I believe the brand is Cafe Olay. This is the Houston blend, so they, they make a, basically, a, um, um, out of the big cities from Texas, they, they make a blend for each city, and this is the Houston blend. And it's got a little bit of coconut in it, and it's delicious. It's very fragrant. Yeah, when, when you, you drank that over at my house the other night, and mm-hmm. I was like, man, this smells so good. Uh, if it were a board game, I'd play it because it's named after a city. But uh, all right, so Chuck, <laughs> what, what are you drinking tonight? Well, I, I had brought something else, but Gary put this other one in front of me called uh, Lazy Magnolia Southern pecan or pecan depending where you are i think if you drink it in mississippi where it's pecan. bottled it's got to be pecan, Pe- pecan. Is, that, is that how they say in it texas it? though it's pecan it's pecan, pecan. pecan. We, we say pecan but pecan. You know. we say it correctly uh, it, it is a, a brown ale uh, it is very tasty uh, reminds me a little bit of newcastle yeah uh, i really like it um I, I'm, I'm having that as well and it's i think of it kind of very similar to newcastle in that it's just a good kind of chilling out relaxing beer it's not it's not too heavy but it's not, you know, it's not light either. It's not like you're drinking water, you know. So it's it's definitely a good beer. I got a Dogfish Head 90-minute IPA. I don't normally like IPAs, and that's uh, – if most people either do or, or really don't. I don't. And I'm, I'm one of the uh, ones who really, me. really don't. But uh, but I was they're, – they're a little bitter, I guess. The, you know, they got that hop flavor to them. So well, Why would you do that bitter. to yourself? Well, I'm you kind of in a – I, I kind of liked a, it. I, I liked it when mm, I tasted it. I'm kind it. of in a bitter mood. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted a bitter beer. But I will say that um, if you don't like IPAs, um, the 90-minute from Dogfish Head, you might like. And uh, I'm told the 120 is like drinking gold, but I d- I've never I've had I've been it. told the 120 is great, too. It's a legendary I, thing. I I've like never been able to find it. Um, but anyway. I don't know. There's, there's a couple things I don't like to do to myself. Uh, IPAs and Taco Bell. I mean, those things kind of <laughs> go on that same... Uh, <laughs> same, same, like same bracket for me. So uh, I think I'll skip out on that one. But um, do they do the same thing to you, Gary? No, not necessarily. I, I just like IPAs. I don't want to inflict that upon myself. You know, like <laughs> why do I want to drink something I, I, I can't enjoy? But I, I'm glad you, you have found an IPA that you can like. I don't like, like IPA. In fact, I mean, I'm enjoying this one, um, but I have to be in the mood for it. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a mood thing. He's oh, in a mood. I, I, I totally understand that. Um, well, I guess let's go ahead and uh, kind of move on into. Uh, our recap of, of Criticon. 
Just Brown, would you kind of like to intro that for us? Tell us a little bit about the, sure. the weekend we had. Um, yeah, so uh, we had a weekend where we got to go down to Georgetown and um, hang out with uh, our good friend Scott Morris and uh, and meet a lot of new friends. And so it was a it was a pretty cool pretty cool event. They I think the the gist was uh, part just to get together and play games during the convention season, kind of on an off week uh, for Scott. Uh, but um, it was also the thrust of the event, I believe, was to get to play test a lot of these games that he has invited these local designers and, and, and even just other designers around that he knows to come and play test games. It was a really, really good opportunity for them to get their games out and for us to play a lot of games that are at, in different phases of prototype from your very, you know, very new pieces of paper thrown out on the board to uh, some things that were you know, almost ready for production development. So it was really fun for us. Yeah, I think this is a good opportunity for us to also say thank you to Scott and his wife. Oh, uh, yeah. For hosting us there. Yeah. Scott and um, Betsy were amazing. Yeah. They um, they are probably some of the best hosts that you can just have in general and uh, some of the most gracious people that we know in the gaming community. So. And their, their dog was so chill. Did you guys see that? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Ahsoka? Ahsoka? Like, yeah. and they said she was a puppy. And I was like, so most puppies that kind of jump all over you, she was like just chill. Like yeah. all these strange people were in her house. And she's like, well, whatever, man. Just don't step on me. I mean, yeah. she was just cool. So um, it's funny you say all ranges of, of prototype because I actually, I got to test two different ones. Well, I tested several, actually. But um, I did one that was the very first play test. Like he had just basically took what was in his brain and put it on some paper and threw it on the table. Um, we ended up having to stop after like two rounds because it, it, it needed some help. And that happens with the first round. But the other one is like going on Kickstarter in a week or so. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy that the different levels of staging that, that these and I will people say, were at. All these guys were very talented designers, even, even, yeah. um, even the ones that were really rough around the edges. That doesn't really, I mean, when you think about it, that, that doesn't really reflect on the designer. It really reflects on just kind of what stage of that game mm-hmm. is being developed. Um, and, and a lot of these may not look anything like them when they're finished. It's kind of the initial brainchild. And, 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 and so we may have been, we may see something later down the road from this guy that looks totally different, but it had some effect that, um, you know, some piece of it came out of some play testing that was done that weekend. So um, anyway, Really cool opportunity. Plus, we played other games, too. Yeah. Um, I, we counted up the games. I think I played the least amount of different games that week. I played 11 different games that weekend over two days. And, and I think out of the four of us, I played the fewest um, games. I don't know. Well, you played 11 different games? 11 different games, yeah. I think I had 11 or 12 plays, but I, I played some games multiple times. Like mm-hmm. I, yeah. I got beat. Um, I'd never played Santorini before. And uh, I continued my streak of just losing miserably to – proper brian like I, I thought i would win like twice and no he he took me out <laughs> um and so even like even with the taunting like i thought the taunting would get in his head oh well, it, it almost just, worked it, it just encouraged him to to lay me out you know and um it was, it was yeah yeah when props. a challenge is thrown down i'll rise to that so. oh okay well now, now i know i'm, I'm gonna yeah. compliment you next time <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I, I guess maybe I got security. to maybe I got to play more. Of course, y'all had to go check into the hotel too, so I got a little couple hours of extra no, playtime. good. Time. I wanted you, but to. Uh, I think I played close to fifteen, and a third of those were prototypes. That's pretty sweet. So one one prototype, and I I checked with the designer to make sure I I could uh, kind of give him a shout out. And Brian Beach got to play in part of a play. Yeah, test. I got to jump into um, the end of it. But Michael Abramson, um, he's he's in the Austin area. And uh, he has a game called Ten Thousand Goblins. Yeah. You find it on Facebook. It's just search Ten Thousand Goblins. 
Um, it's got a Facebook page. He's going to be at Gen Con yes. this year. And um, well, I spoke with him just, just today, actually, on, on Facebook. He's hoping to have a publisher sometime this year, early next year. If not, then he's going to go on Kickstarter. I think this game would, would probably fund on Kickstarter. But I kind of hope he gets a publisher. Um, and it's a dice game. Not normally something I'm drawn to. So, but you guys, if you don't know Gary well enough at this point, He's the Euro guy of the group. He's kind of the resident Euro man. We all like Euros, but he's he's known for it. And so um, this is a dice game, and Gary, gushed, you were gushing over oh, it. Oh, man. Yeah, uh, yeah, if it's called 10,000 Goblins, it should be called 10,000 Dice. Oh, yeah, there's a ton of, there's a ton of dice. And I guess just kind of quick rundown of the game. Um, it's a bunch of dice. Basically, your, your adventure is going into it. There's three different levels of caves. Um, you're, you're working your way to the, the boss goblin, um, and you, you fight a you you not ten thousand, but you fight quite a few goblins on the way there. Um, there's there's a kind of cool push your luck mechanism. Uh, you start out with just a couple of regular dice, and then there's all these other dice you can add. And not to get you know too detailed, but um, if like you can assign your dice, so either they're just a regular one time use spell, or you can assign it to a part on your. Each player has a character card. Um, so if you roll a zero, you trigger a certain ability, but then that means you can't use that dice for a, an attack, say on the boss. Or there's um, some of the twos have a star on them. You can um, you can assign so you can either assign a dice to a zero, uh, a two star, or just a regular die. And uh, so there's things like armor. There's a lightning attack that's really powerful. There's a fire attack that burns everyone. Um, there's a, like a, a life stealing die, and um, I guess like one a one a one die that augments other dice. That I actually I've I started I played it twice. So I liked it that much, and um, I kind of sought him out the next day. And you were you were talking it. Uh, up. Yeah. Like when, we, when we left to go to the hotel that night, you couldn't stop you talking. I, about I felt kind of bad. To the hotel is like at least a thirty-minute drive, I, and we talked about. I'm sorry, guys. The whole time. And, and I know, like, I know it's not. Don't be it's sorry. Not it was a great game. Tea. I got I mean, to play it the next day. It was a great game. Um, but I, I guess for me, and I, I just, I just want to give a, a designer, especially a guy who, who's, who's a really friendly guy, and has a really cool game. I just want to kind of give him a little shout out. I mean. If if you're at Gen Con and you get a chance and you, and you meet Michael and you get a chance to play it and you, and you think you might at all might like uh, right now it's a fantasy theme game I'm, I'm I don't know if he's I, I'm I would pretty think sure he's stuck to the fantasy I, th- theme. I think this the theme really fits Which it, it, works it, it well. is it called works. goblins yeah so, yeah you know, it works there's, well there's the whole yeah I, I think I don't think you would want to switch goblins. up the uh, the theme okay um, well, you ruined but everything anyways it's it's a fun little dice game and even like you have these little different mechanisms happening in the game. And I liked all of them. I thought they were kind of fun. But then the fun factor of the game was really great. And one thing I talked about is in a game like that, normally where you're watching someone else roll dice for a couple minutes, you might feel like there's some downtime. But the whole time you're like rooting for them. You're wanting to see what they discover in the dungeon because you're up next. Uh, if, if, you're, if that sounds like something you like, if you like dice games, you like the fantasy theme, um, it's just kind of got a fun feel to it. I mean, I, I lost both times. And one time some guy came, came from behind. But... Uh, it was actually fun watching him come from behind and like you're hoping he doesn't do it but there's a part of you that's like if he really does this it's going to be epic and for a small game i thought it had a pretty epic feel what what about you brian no it's good um it, it it did one of the favorite things that i like in in any board game and it and um my favorite mechanic which is leveling um you get to level in that game um and and that is uh, based on acquiring dice you get to select the dice that you want to add to your to your arsenal you get to decide how those dice are being used, and, and then you just get to roll a bunch of dice. And um, if you if you like dice rolling games, definitely check this out. If you don't like dice rolling games, I still think you you ought to give this a look because because uh, I wouldn't have pegged Gary for 
someone who would just just really gush over the game like he has. And um, and I liked it. I liked it uh, quite a bit. Um, but I think uh, I think I I really enjoyed watching Gary like it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think for me, one thing, and this is this speaks to all the prototypes. What was interesting, and I think maybe Shuck, since you played a few more prototypes than us, you might be able to comment to this. Um, so the game, as far as component-wise, I mean, it was just some some cards and you know plain white cards and, and dice. But the the game was just so fun. Like the mechanics I, like, were really fun. The mechanics were really great. So to me, I, I got to thinking like, hey man, if if I saw this in a year, on in, in a store, and I looked at the back of the box and I saw this cool art and cool custom dice or something. I mean, how much more? Yeah, you won't be. I, I mean, like I'd be like, oh man, that, that game's so yeah. awesome. And I liked it as it was. Yeah. I mean, can you speak to maybe well, some of the prototypes you played? You know, you played the yeah, whole gamut. You did. I can't. I, this is actually the one that I think I didn't play. Um, well, yeah. And and d dice really aren't my wheelhouse either. So I kind of I saw it and I was like, eh, I don't know. And so I, I can't really comment on that. Uh, the the graphics. I mean, there really aren't any. It's just a bunch of text at this yeah. point. So there's a lot to be streamlined with the graphics, obviously. But uh, I think he's he's got room to work there. Well, like some, saw. some of the other designs um, you, you played, some, you, you played one that was ones, really polished, and then a couple, like you uh, said, that were just just bare bones. I mean, yeah. So we, I, I got to play uh, one that we have on our YouTube, the uh, the Outer Gods and Interlopers. It's the first time I got to finally play it. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah, it was and cool it's game. Uh, that's uh, it's by Ricky Perez, Ricky, and yes. the Mothership uh, Game Studio group. Yes, thank you, Carlos um, and and Bevan and. Um, James, that, yeah, they're all. So it, it's obviously designers. gone through some guys. some more design stages since since we uh, put it up on YouTube. But um, uh, I, it was my first time getting to play it, and there there's some really interesting things there. It's if you had um, think of like werewolf with like uh, special powers you can activate, and you have like missions that you have to uh, complete. It, it's kind of like I guess a, a combination of werewolf and uh, resistance, maybe kind of. Mm -hmm. uh, that might be a good. So that That's that was yeah. really interesting. Um, I was surprised i didn't think it was one that i was gonna like um but i i really did like that one and that one was one i don't know if the art's final but it, it's functional definitely and, and so the arts kind of i think they're i mean that's a lot of it's the same art they've been using i know the character uh -huh. art is still being developed um you know but um but yeah i mean i think a lot of the the other art that they had um it, it looks like the the other prototype is probably their own. So one of the yeah. mechanics that I thought was pretty in unique about this one um, was you had like the cult leader, mm. and yes. so you essentially have another player who kind of runs the game. Almost not they don't well, have think, to run think, the game. Think of it as like a Mysterium, okay. where you you have you have kind of like an an overlord descent type where you're he's running the show, and, and so I guess in in some groups that might fall fall flat if you don't have the right person. Yeah. Um, uh, Scott did it for us and he was, I mean, excellent. At oh, it, he knocked but, it out of the park. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, so I could see that maybe being an issue maybe, but it was still, if you, it really is a social experiment. I really think though for a game like that and, and the strength that I see for Outer Gods and Interlopers, by the way, if you, if you want to not just check out our YouTube video on it, if you want to see what we're talking about, but you can even go to the Mothership Game Studio website. They have, um, I'm pretty sure, I think they had at one point. A print and play even on on online where you can even check it out but um i think where this actually plays to its strength of having kind of an mc over yeah. that's also making the decisions that everybody's playing towards and convincing that i'm on your side i'm not on your or he's not on your side is that that's typically going to be the person teaching the game or that's typically going to be the person who owns the game and every yeah. time you have a game like resistance and, and you're not with a gaming group there's a bit of weakness to those games where everybody kind of has to be on par. Everybody mm -hmm. has to kind of know exactly. what's going on. In this game, 
you don't have to have that, and I think it's a strength to the game if you like game social deduction games, um, but but you feel like you're always the guy teaching them at your groups. This game may really shine for you. Yeah, uh, for I, I totally that agree was, with that. That was yeah. I think that what's to me for me set this game apart from some of the other kind of contemporary games, um, you know, other other social deduction games is exactly what you said. I could see this being a game that if, if you pulled up to your, your friend, you know, family's house, your friend's house, maybe they're not huge gamers, maybe they're a little reluctant to get into it, you have a role that's almost ready set for like you to kind of, kind of, you can start telling everyone to do because you're the, the cult leader, but you're not telling them, you're not be, being the alpha gamer. That's your role. And then they can, as they figure out the game, they can resist you, lie to you, you know, try to, try to suck up to you, you know, so you don't, you know, you don't. You don't vote to have them killed. So I think it, it adds an interesting dynamic. And what I thought was really cool about it was was the missions itself because it, it took a social um, environment deduction game that you, you know, you're used to, but now you have a, a goal that everybody's working towards instead of just being completely open-ended. You have something to aim towards that, that gives reasons to lie or tell the truth and, and to do all of that social interaction. And, and that's what I really liked about this one over something that's similar in that genre. Yeah, the other thing that it did that was interesting going towards uh, those missions is in, in a lot of those games like The Resistance, basically each mission is a, just a thumbs up or thumbs down choice. In this one, you have a hand of cards that you have to decide like which, which card you're going to play into a pool of cards that will then decide the success or fail of the mission. And you might be on the cult leader's side, but you might not have the card that you need to. So it adds this Am I lying? Am I not lying? Uh, kind of aspect to it, um, to where you um, you could just say, you know, I played this card. You could be one of the people that's not on the cult leader side and say, well, I, I played this card because that's all I had. You know, I didn't have anything else to play. So it, get, it adds another uh, layer. Well, um, and and to add to that, some of the cards uh, give points to the the non cult, the people trying to, you know, sabotage everything. Right, the yeah. investigators, yeah, sorry. But, I mean, it gives points to them, so you have cards that go towards the mission, but you have some that give negative points, and so it puts a little timer on there. But you also have some cards that don't do anything, and so those you want those if you can't do anything at all, if you're on the, the yeah. cult side. But it, it, it's just a really interesting take. Uh, As an investigator, it. I really enjoy trying to slip those points in there. So even if they kind of got the mission... They, they were successful. You, you had me fooled. Yeah. I didn't know. I had no yeah. clue. I really. Oh, was that was the funnest part. I had part no of that idea game. that you were an investigator. I'm normally really horrible I, at those I games. Loved your, I loved how you. I, I, I had no chance in that game, but I loved <laughs> the way you played. Well, your, and, your and role. that's, I think, yeah, another strength so maybe is that uh, you can kind of hide as an investigator a little better in this game than you probably can in other games where some you get pointed out fairly quickly. Uh, yeah. This one, you, I think you can hide pretty well. I, I definitely think if you're if you're into social deduction games, it's yeah, check it out. It's, it's one. And, um, it's it's going to be published. And I'm, yeah, point. I'm pretty sure they're they're handling that one themselves. I, that, that's their intention is uh, for them to publish that themselves. So yeah, but it definitely that's, a cool game. It's Outer Gods and Interlopers by Mothership Game Studios. Um, uh, Ricky Perez. So, so uh, one of the other ones I got to test was uh, and, and Brian got to uh, just Brian got to test this with me too uh, on my second play. Was uh, Dragon and Rider? Dragon and Rider by, by William. Um, I'm stud. I'm stud. I'm sorry. Sorry if I we say that wrong. <laughs> we, we we think you're a fantastic man. Yeah. We just never got, learned how to say your last so name. He's he's William actually <laughs> a very um, good up and coming designer. Oh yeah. Um, uh, very excellent. He has a, a a different brain to this kind of stuff. We I got to kind of 
bounced ideas back and forth off of him on some things, and so it was really fun doing that. But uh, he's he's got this Dragon Rider game, like I said, the one that's coming to Kickstarter here in a week or so. That's right. Uh, well, a week from recording, so it'll probably be on Kickstarter when this comes out. But uh, it. Speaking of social, so go, so go check it out, Dragon. Yes, and Rider. go check it out. So speaking of like social deduction type stuff, it's not really social, but it's got a little bit of deduc- deduction in it, and it, it has a really interesting way of giving just a little bit of information to try to figure out what your partner wants you to do, and then you give him a little bit of information so that's like her. I want or her. Thank I, you. I had it. Sorry, my partner was not a him. Her, him, them. Can we say them? Them. Them. Okay. They. So, but he, so them, they, they, a person gives you a little bit, <laughs> gives you a little bit of information. You give them a little bit of information and then you're like, you're like, okay, so we're, we're on the same page, right? We're going to play this card. And then if you don't play the card, you get like negative points and like bad things start happening and what you didn't want it to do. But if you do play the right combination and it's, you, you get all these extra points and, and basically it's like, uh, a really beefed up version of rock paper scissors, but yeah, way better. It's it's yeah. <laughs> I I don't want to compare. It, that is what it is, but I don't like comparing it to that because it doesn't sound as cool as it really is. It it really is a a good uh, interaction and in, in just guessing deduction. Well, it's it's game. and what it is it's, is those hints that your partner's giving you. Everybody sees. Yes. So when um, when your partner the dragon because basically it's dragon and human teams dragon and dragon rider team. And it's two on two, so it's a four-player game, a four-player only game, I believe, um, at least the best way it's played. And um, when the dragon gives a hint on what kind of they're planning, that's the first step. Everybody sees it. I see my partner, but the opponents see the hint as well, and we see yeah. the opponent's hint. And then the 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 rider kind of throws out their picks their cards and throws out their little hint, and everybody sees that too. And then, of course, the dragon gets one more uh, opportunity to play a card. And and so it's not just trying to guess what your partner's going to do and try to pick up on those hints, but those are public hints. So it's it's kind of like, you know, it, it's very, it becomes that Princess Bride kind of thing, like, did you put the poison in front of you or did you put the poison in front of me? <laughs> but, but my partner also has poison. Did she put it in front of her because I'm going to get it, but they saw it, and so they think that they're going to get it. I mean, it just gets to be that level it, of rock, paper, scissors. It's so much fun. It, it really starts to mess with your mind. Yeah. Like, you're, because you're looking at your partner and you're like, I, do you really want me to play that? Because I'm, I don't know that that. Okay, I'm playing it. Are you, are you sure? I'm okay. Yeah. Here yeah. it comes. Yeah. Why didn't you play? Th- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of fun. It really was. It was really fun. Stomping I, Sean. I got to watch you guys play that, and it looked like it was a it's blast. Fun, yeah. That's what I wish I would have played. The best part was beating Sean. I think uh, we'll, we'll talk about winning here in a minute. Yeah, yeah. later than I. <laughs> that's <laughs> the only game that counts. I think we're gonna talk. We're gonna segue into a game that's it's been published. It's 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 one that it's kind of a favorite of the pub now, um, Skull. But let me preface that when, when we showed up that morning, I, there was a moment where, and I believe you might have been there too, Shuck. But Scott, uh, our host Scott, um, no, he was introducing one or two of us to someone else, and he says. Uh, these are the pub meeple guys from pub meeple and i think they may have brought some excellent belgian beer and then so later that <laughs> night saturday night the belgian beer did come out and in as much as we you know we, we i think we drank most of what we had and uh, and we played skull and i'll let you guys uh finish <laughs> this story yeah first let me say like this is a game i've heard you guys talk about for a long time i had never played it before and so i was really eager to play it with you guys and it did not disappoint we had so much fun with this game. Yeah. 
um, if you're not familiar with Skull, it's a it's a it's a game of deduction, I guess. I mean, you're yeah. you're. I mean, it's very light well, deduction. It's, it, it's it's more bluffing than anything. Yeah. If you if you're familiar with Liar's Dice, I know just Brian disagrees with me, but yeah, it's I don't like it compared to Liar's Dice. But I it's think fine. It's, it's similar fine. to Liar's Dice. Uh, it's better than Liar's Dice. Thank I'll you. say that. Yes, it is. It is way better, <laughs> um, mainly because you actually get to choose something and you're not just rolling dice. But uh, I mean, I'll. Let you describe it. It's your game. No, so it's not I, my I'll probably, game. I mean, I don't. Um, it, but it's but the one we played. A, yeah. Um, it, so it's it's about as sterile as you get on a bluffing game. Um, and the reason why I like it is because um, I think Coup is probably one of my favorite bluffing semi deduction games that that does the same thing. But but Skull plays to a larger crowd. More people will play it. It's it's kind of what you would break out to new gamers and old gamers because it's, it's always a hit. But basically, you have uh, three cards um, coasters. Uh, three of the uh, four of them, excuse me, a four, and three of them are roses. One of them's a skull, and you are you are placing these face down in front of you. Um, when the bidding round starts, somebody starts a bidding round, and you're just basically bidding how many coasters you can flip up without flipping over a skull, starting with your own. And so, um, man, it just never sounds as much fun. The, the, no, the we need to talk about yeah, we, yeah. What we need to do is so, talk about what happened in this. So, game. Okay, the challenge so, is always reading your your opponent. Right. So the, you want to know who? And you want to know are they bidding higher because they're trying to get me to bid higher, yeah. or you know, or is you know, so ba- the bid's pretty high and you're you're counting the cards and you're realizing what what a risk. There's is a lot of push your luck. Basically, you're either playing a car or a coaster or you're bidding, and the bidding stops the placing of coasters, so you can kind of count how many are out there. Uh, it, but what you're you're trying to do, like you said, is ramp up other people's bets, and so maybe you'll start really high. I hope you don't get um, caught with it. It's like a game of chicken. Well, and if you place a skull, you got to flip yours over first. So if you're betting high and you got a skull in there, you you better be willing to wager that bet. Yeah, you better be hoping, uh, hoping someone takes you up what, on that and, up, and yeah. one ups you. Yeah. See, what happened to me is I'm I'm pretty sure this is how it started. Is I I did that and it you know the fell back on me and I ended up revealing my skull and then so what happens is they randomly take one of your cards away and they got rid of my skull so and all i had found, was then we found out about it so all i had was flowers yeah. but see it doesn't right? matter so, we didn't know you had flowers. well okay but they found out early on that all we i had was flowers early yeah. so yeah. Them all if you don't if, if you, you don't have the skull there is no bluffing power whatsoever right so essentially i played with my flowers up the rest of the game yeah. for like 30 minutes i played with my flowers up everybody knew what i had and I just sit there and I work the table. Oh my god! Oh man, I worked it hard. I, I was I was making people bet and I was getting my guesses right. And I, I never flipped over that skull because if you if you get out of cards, you're out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You were down to one. You I was down, down to, one. to one card. And we all and, knew it was a flower. And and it basically came down to there were like what three or four people left, and I bet three. I think it was four people, and I said that there are three flowers, and everyone was like, nope, I'm not doing four. And the reason why is because there was one girl at the table, and she would always have that skull. And so I basically said, nope, not you. Brian wanted the points, so he put the flower down. Yep. The, uh, was it Matt? Was he the other one that was in? I'm not sure who the other I, one was. I don't remember. Some other, remember, other guy was, was in. What and you didn't know is all I had was, was flowers left. I, oh, I lost man, my but, skull first, and but nobody was, knew that. The, the funniest part was the 30 minutes that I had all of my tiles up. And, and everybody knew exactly what I had, and I just oh, it was it was amazing. And I've never seen say, that happen before. It was That's the best the first thing I've ever. Seen that game usually doesn't go to thirty minutes, but everyone was like such like so like into it, and, like oh, reading it. It was crazy. It, it was went a crazy game. Like twice as long as normal. And then I've played it several times with you, and not not that I'm like a veteran player, but I've never seen no. what what Chuck did happen. Normally, 
if everyone knows you have flowers, you're just kind of waiting to be like. I shouldn't say that you have no game left. It's just it really alters it's your strategy. It's kind of on rails at that point. Yeah. Well, but that, you but, know, but yeah. the 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 way you can win though is by winning a bid and getting it right. Right. And so That's it doesn't matter what cards you have left, really. I mean, yeah, definitely it it, it kind of ruins well, your bluff. But like, if everybody knows that, but at the same time, it's still. I mean, you can do exactly what, she, what so, Chuck did. And yeah. Pull it, it, out. Well, it was great. That's if all, all you have, have left is yeah, flowers. You wait till two cards are down, and then you bet that you can find three, knowing that two are yours, and you just have to be right on one person. I mean, that's one way to, to try to tempt oh, and it. And Chuck kept doing stuff like that. He was pulling off, like, crazy moves. Well, the, the other way that the, the game ends is you actually get, was it two points? So that's how it ends. Whoever gets two points first, two guesses right the first time wins. So, I mean, that like I said, we that, that game went on 30 minutes, and then we played a game right after that, and it was like five minutes, and it was over. Yeah. The, and it was like so anticlimactic. After the, the first go-around, we're like, um, okay, is there uh, another game? So we- what's, great about, <laughs> what's great about this game, though, Skull, and I think I think the reason why um, it, it felt so epic, I mean, the, the, the great win was part of it, but um, it's such a light game that you can do so many other things. You can you can interact with people on a level that, that doesn't require a lot of thought. You know, or the not, uh, sorry, it doesn't require a lot of thought into the game. So uh, we were being silly. We were we were we were acting really silly, and um, and it was just a really fun time with people we didn't really know that well. And I think it really helped lighten the mood because a lot of us didn't really know each other. And so it's a great icebreaker game. Yeah. And uh, by the end of the game, um, everybody felt good about maybe getting into a different game, you know, together uh, as strangers. Yeah, so. it, built, it built connection between, yeah. uh, you know, those all the people in the game. Now, I was actually watching the game, Shuck won, and I felt like I knew everyone at the table. Yeah. <laughs> I was just sitting hey, there don't, sipping beer. Don't discredit my win here. It, there's a lot of thinking. No, I thought no a lot about what I was doing. Yeah, okay? Yeah, you, <laughs> you, had, you had a really – it was an don't, epic win. Don't, don't bring me down here. You, you won that game. Fair and square, and we're all very proud of you. Forever, this will be. It was pretty epic. I've never <laughs> seen that happen before. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So, uh, needless to say, we had we had a great time at Criticon, um, and it just. And I guess we're all going to try to go next year. We we think we're I think we're invited back. As far as I remember, I hope uh, we're invited back. Yeah, I, we'll find hope, out, right? Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, just Brian didn't embarrass us. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> so. Uh, I guess uh, let's go ahead and, and kind of segue into another se- uh, segment here, guys. Hey, before we get into our next segment, we want to talk about our Patreons. That's right, Pub Meeple is on Patreon, and uh, we have uh, a few Patreons, patrons, patrons, patronies, um, and we want to we want to oh, just oh. say thank you, <laughs> nice, oh. yeah. And one of our patronuses is Jason Dinger. We want to just give a quick shout out, say thank you for your support, and uh, not only that, just for the interaction that we've had on our Slack channel with you. Um, this has actually been pretty cool for us to reach out and talk to some people that uh, we've only beforehand gotten to see just kind of in some comments and things on Facebook and on YouTube. Uh, we've actually. Uh, had some interaction with him way back when we were just a YouTube channel and uh, we were doing a lot of DIYs and prototyping and um, he, he, he uh, looked us up and he followed some of that and now he's prototyping a game and we're just, that's just super cool for us to just know this guy. Um, his game that is coming out right now, Gary, help me out. You said that it's being uh, yes, I, I heard in, a, in an interview, uh, I believe he's signed with Spielworks. Spielworks, that's right. And it's Captains of the Gulf. All I know is it's about being a shrimp boat captain or, or 
uh, in the Gulf. Uh, he's he's from Louisiana, and so okay. he's he grew up in. I, I I do know that he grew up in that, um, at least around that industry. I don't know if he if he participated in it. I don't want to say that, but I um, just did hear a quick interview with him uh, talking about that, and it was kind of cool to hear someone we've interacted with talking about you know a game that, that they've now signed it's kind of neat just like you know t- to know that he's he's at that stage now it's yeah. pretty cool yeah and if you guys want to join jason if you like what you see on our website here on our podcast or our youtube channel you can head over to patreon.com slash pub and you can support us there but thanks jason thanks for your support and um we, re- we appreciate all of our patreons and tune in next time when we spotlight a patreon we'll have to come up with something there well, now we'd kind of like to have a roundtable discussion about legacy games. Uh, we've got a variety of opinions on them. Um, before we kind of get started, uh, Shuck, would you kind of mind kind of introing uh, what a legacy game is for us? Yeah, so loosely defined, a legacy game is something that physically changes over the course of several plays, uh, unlike a campaign where you can reset. This is something that has altered and stays altered when you bring it to the table the next time. I mean, I know, uh, proper Brian, you've... Um, you kind of had some. You're kind of the one that brought the topic to our, our to the group. So you want to kind of kick off. Well, we we kind of wanted to take a, a little bit different angle on this than just you know talking about the legacy games themselves and do we like them or do we not? Do we like this game or that game? Do we like this about this game? Um, and one of the reasons that I thought we'd we'd bring this up is because um, as probably the the biggest proponent of legacy games in the group i you know just like anything else we really enjoy we like to evangelize it you know we like to say hey you should try this you should and i I had to stop myself as i as i you know kept telling these guys hey you should just try these games and i realized that uh this is one of the only kinds of games it might be the only kind of game that you can't just try and see if you like it's not just like um like you could sit down and, uh, you know, Gary, we, we played Eclipse recently, and you could sit down and try that game once and go, I like that game or I don't like yeah, that you, game. You can't try your friend's copy of Pandemic Legacy like right. in the middle of a campaign or start it and yeah. then jump back out. Right. And so let's say you you liked you didn't like let's say you didn't like Eclipse. Well, guess what? That game is still in a in a perfect condition. You could resell it. You could trade it. Uh, Legacy games aren't like that. You can't do that with them. So you're uh, you're stuck with your copy. So if you bought it. You can't just try it or you can't just jump into somebody else's game and just try it because number one, they probably have a campaign going um, or number two, you can't jump in at the beginning, decide you don't like it and then jump out, um, leaving them in a lurch to either find someone different or just stop altogether because, you know, the the original group isn't together. So um, this really is a kind of a a category of game that you kind of have to decide before you try it, whether or not whether or not you're going to like it you know it, which is really strange it, i mean normally i would i'm the kind of person that that says you know if you say you don't like it you should really try it first before you really say that but this is one of those that i don't know if i can say that anymore it's like um so i wanted to discuss you know kind of how we came to our uh you know our decisions on is this something i'm going to try i'll say that i i really love the idea of legacy games i just i haven't been able to I haven't, I haven't really bought into them because I don't know that I have the group for them. We we play games fairly fairly regularly, but not enough to where, you know, we can say hey every every second 
second Tuesday we meet up to finish this campaign. I think that the frequency with most of my groups is such that I don't play with any one group so regular that, and I, I think just schedule wise, uh, most most of my other people I play with, you know, have families or whatnot, and so um, so I like the idea. Just I don't think I can get a group together for it. Yeah, on the other end of the spectrum, say you do have a regular group. You know, one of the reasons why I, I haven't bought into it is is I feel like I would be forcing a like a single game on them every time we get together and kind of dictating possibly what's going on and maybe you don't meet enough that you'd get enough variety. Yeah, this this comes down to like how much time you have to play games in general. It's like if you if you don't have that much time to play games, why would you want to spend all of it with one? Yeah, yeah I okay. have I have this whole shelf of great games. I, I don't feel like I need to ignore them to play one game. Yeah, uh, so you don't want to make I us really, play one game for six months, right? Yeah, I really love the concept, uh, but I mean... That would be similar with any campaign game. I remember early on when when I first got into Descent and we had a different game group and you and I were playing and, and the question... I remember you and I were you and I were talking one night. It was just the two of us, and you're like, "Man, I hope like it's just not descent from now on, you know?" <laughs> because that's because every time we got together, it's we felt yeah. even even that that wasn't a legacy game, but just the the campaign nature of it, we felt like, "Wow, you know, in order to really get our money's worth out of this game, we got to play through it." And man, that's how many how many nights is that, and how many times yeah. we meet up, how mm-hmm. often we meet up, and that was a little depressing to you, and and that was kind of a. a uh, kind of a eye opener to me, like, oh my goodness, and you know, I don't want to make that, you know, I guess pressure the game game group to to always want to do this one game. So. I think the solution to that though is just to go in and, and say, explain to everyone, say, hey, look, if you jump on board, th- we're probably committing to playing this very frequently for you know, say, twelve to fifteen plays, and I, I think you know, just making sure that everyone understands what they're what they're jumping into. Well, and and there are groups that do that. I mean, the uh, um, the artist we interviewed at um, uh, the San Angelo West Texas Tabletop Con, he said he'd been playing. Yeah. What was his name? Um, Raven. Raven. He he'd been playing with a Dungeons and Dragons group for twenty years or something like that. Some like m- ridiculous number of years. And so some people just want to play the same game, and that would very well fit with them. It would be perfect for them. Uh, for me, I like variety. So if there was a now now. But the caveat, if there's a game, a legacy game that fits their their group's kind of style. So, like, right now, there's not a legacy game out there that I'm really interested in. So, even if even if I like the idea of legacy games, there has to be a legacy game out there for, for what yeah. I like. I, I'm not a Pandemic fan, and I'm not a Risk fan. I'll play them once, but I don't really want to play them more than that. See, so. now, I think the a point to go off of on that is... Um, the the legacy games that have built upon an already existing game gives you a better idea of if you would like to go down that path. That's true. That's true. Uh, something like Seafall, where you have nothing and no idea going in. Um, I mean, that one's kind of gotten some negative reviews, and that maybe because just they didn't know what it was going to be. Right. And and yeah, so more people more people bought it, excited because of Pandemic Legacy. But the people that bought Pandemic Legacy already liked Pandemic. Right. And I think that's where maybe some of the disconnect comes from. Well, so what I hear you guys describing, and let me ask you a question, is um, so if you had a lot more time to play games, like if, if – because, uh, I mean, all of us here are uh, dads and husbands, and 
um, families take up a lot of our time and as they should. Um, but if somehow magically we were able to come up with a lot more time to play games, would you be willing to try, uh, uh would you be willing to play one? Well, let me, let me answer that first. Cause I, I've, I've actually, this has been a legacy journey for me, <laughs> the legacy journey. Um, but my initial aversion to legacy games had nothing to do with the time crunch or the time commitment because I like those kind of things. I yeah, like something like that, yeah, I like campaigns. I really like campaigns. I like to see stories develop. So my initial aversion to legacy games had more to do with ripping cards, <laughs> drawing on things. I'm serious. Like we're, I'm, I'm super we're talking about a guy that counts his components every time I we stop a components. game. I try to pretend <laughs> I don't. Like I'm like, no, no, I just toss it in the box. But no, when I get them. home, like all, all my all my babies get counted, and I make sure everything's dusted off. My wife, it, I wear gloves when I touch. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but um, no, I do sleeve not. a lot of. I do sleeve all my cards. I'm just. I'm a little OCD. Okay, fine. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm seeing. I'm seeing a counselor. <laughs> I'm seeing a psychologist. But um, but the truth is that that really bothers me. And I know I'm not alone. If you're out there, you're in good company. Uh, because because I cannot stand the idea of ripping a card or writing my name on something or whatever. Um, now I will say recently. Um, the idea that Brian put in my mind was when he's done with this game, um, and this is something that many of you who love legacy games have probably already done, but I never heard it. But Brian said, no, we would just frame it. We'd frame the game board, and it would be a piece of artwork in our, our in our game room. And I started th- imagining a, lot, a, a world where um, I actually got to do that and frame it, and that would be worth my time, my investment, my money in this game. Absolutely, and I would do it, yes. Um, when would I have that? time and, and commitment it'll but be when my kids can play games with I me and say, i can yeah, meet, i can play a game with them weekly that's not really the question the question is if you had the time would you do it well, so, but yeah, i guess the answer is yes uh, but there's um, also a dynamic there is if you, you don't have a family to play with do you have friends that also have that time right so, uh i mean you can obviously substitute so people that that's something you could probably do but i don't know that it would give you the same feeling in this theoretical world where i have all the time i would love I would I would need to where game we, where we don't sleep. Yeah, right? where we don't sleep, yeah. and and um, I can, I can I can I don't sleep. I don't game as much as, as I want. Um, and I could I could get all these legacy games in. I really like the idea of legacy games, but part of me thinks that, if, in all honesty, I'd probably just want to keep playing medium to heavy euros as much <laughs> as I could. So, I mean, if I'm so being completely honest, is, is I'm probably boring. But that's so it. what you're saying is, is if they had Agricola, the legacy game. It'd be on my shelf. <laughs> no, but uh, what, I think Gary, what I think Gary is saying so is if he had die. that time to play, that kind of time to play games, you would play other games. Like, I want to say, like, I like the idea of legacy, and I'd like, to, I'd like to, for the sake of discussion, say I'd be willing to try one. It, I, wouldn't, I, would not, I would not dismiss it, but I look at my list of games that I, I, I have either not played, I've only played like once or twice in my collection, and I, if I had that time, I honestly think I would be like, let's see if I can get to 50 plays of Agricola, 100 sure. plays of Agricola. I mean, I, I think there's other games or, or these unplayed games that I, I, I've been trying to get through as many unplayed games as I can this year. And, you know, if I had that time, I, I, I would think that maybe that maybe that's why I haven't committed to it. Cause, because if, if I had a shorter unplayed games like list in, in, in my collection, maybe that would be something that I, w- I would do. That being said, my kids are getting older. I'm at a stage where 
if I could get the, if I, if I could, if I pull out, I've thought about doing this, pulling out pandemic again, saying, let's play this one more time. Now imagine this game if, and seeing if they're willing to go for it and maybe just going ahead and, and just biting the bullet and trying pandemic legacy because I've, I've kind of got that game group at home with at least two of my children that they're old enough to play it. I don't know if I can pull Marin, but I, I would at least try. So I'm almost to the point where I think I, it could be feasible. And so it's kind of in my mind. But, yeah, if I'm being honest, I'd, I'd probably have other games yeah. I'd, r- I'd rather play. I, I guess if this adds anything to it, uh, I, I am intrigued by the idea. I, I do like the idea. And I have absolutely no qualms with tearing cards up. That would be my, my favorite part probably. Oh, really? Just, just getting to do it. It's a blast. When, when you don't normally get to do something like that. You're a like terrible that. person. But to, <laughs> to, to add, e- even though I don't think I'm going to buy into the system, um, I did – Watch the entire playthrough of Pandemic Legacy mm. from the Dice Tower. Don't spoil it. I hadn't so finished it yet. I which have, I'll get to in a minute. I was intrigued enough to see how it worked, but I could. The reason why I did it was because I could watch it by myself without having to worry about a group. I I've played Risk Legacy and I've played Pandemic Legacy. I haven't yet gotten the chance to try Seafall. I'd still love to. I'm I'm really looking forward to Charterstone um, from Stonemaier Games. Um, so I'm. I'm kind of a sucker for legacy games, and I and I think it's because um, number one, I really enjoy the permanent changes you make to it. Um, I really enjoy the tearing up of cards, the writing on the board. The uh, like one of my favorite things was in Risk Legacy when you win a game, you sign the board, and it's like, hey, I won this game right here. You can see my name. I did it. Um, and uh, in Pandemic Legacy, you know, you 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 kind of develop these characters throughout. Uh, the, over the course of plays and you get to see this narrative play out. I love books and I love movies and I love story. Um, and so getting to do that, you know, and number one, so I love books, but I love big books. I love movies, but I love like long and, you know, in-depth. Lord of the Rings extended edition. Exactly. Uh, so I love that kind of stuff. All three in one day. Yeah. 12 hours, baby. Um, so, so <laughs> getting to do something like that in a board game was just, uh, really intriguing to me. So, um, but we've talked about time, um, and guess what? I haven't finished either of the legacy games I've I've started. Um, and um, can I can I ask you real quick before you go on? Um, yeah. Would you say that even though you haven't finished them, they you've still gotten your values worth or some of your value? I mean, do you feel like I feel like I've gotten every bit of value that I mean for the cost of it? Yeah, more than that. okay. Like, uh, that's um, what I wanted to, to know. So I've probably played about halfway through Risk Legacy, and I've played four, maybe five games of Pandemic Legacy. And so, but the reason that I can't finish these games, and it's frustrating to me, is time, like in group. Like I can't get this, you know, the same group together over multiple plays, you know, um, because I do want to play different games. I do want to. Um, uh, I enjoy variety in my gameplay, and um, so it's just been really hard to get it back to the table enough to finish it. Um, that said, I'm still on board for the next one. Like, I'm I'm a little reticent to buy it right now because I just I've been not buying very many games, um, but I'm still really excited. And so, uh, uh, Chuck, to your point about uh, you know watching the the pandemic. Um, legacy games on youtube so charterstone that's coming up uh, apparently will 
uh, allow you to um, uh, basically put robot players in uh, in place of people so you can play it solo again but it's not like solo against uh, it's solo against multiple players you mm. know um, and uh, I hope that that's good you know obviously we haven't seen it yet but um, uh, the guy who does the um, Atama um, solo variants for Stonemaier Games has done a really good job uh, so far that, as I've been able to tell. So I'm excited about that. I'm like, well, maybe that would work for me. Maybe I can finish that game that way by playing does it, it. Does it have an option where if a player can't come that night that you could yes. throw in a robot? That's, yes. That's, that's cool. Nice. So, so that I, way you could get it done. Right. Can, so you, you know. could, yeah, you could still, you know, go ahead and play the next game even if somebody can't come. So... Anyway. So, wh so what about like uh, you, you say you like the big stories and everything? What kind of disconnect do you have when you you have a several month break in between games? Does that does that affect the game at all, or can you get yeah. back into it? And yeah, that's kind of a well, downer. That's actually that's actually to a point that er earlier I mentioned a, a something that Brian had said that actually almost won me over to the concept of tearing up cards and stuff. But he also said something once that kind of nailed the coffin shut for me too, which it was in a text we had or a thread we had once, and it was, what do I do with this legacy game that I haven't played in over a year? Exactly. So that's the next problem is, so, you know, I've, Risk Legacy has been sitting on my shelf for several years now since our last play, and um, what do I do with that? I don't know. I mean, you get the same group back together. It's not the, you don't have the momentum going anymore. I, I, I feel like, like I, I kind of think, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I can't speak for you. I feel like if that were me, um, I, w I wouldn't feel like I can get back into the game. Now, that said, I, I still uh, hold to what I said to Gary that I still feel like I got my value out of the game. I think um, to complete one of those, you have to get you know, two to three of your friends to invest as much, like, well, fully, like, time-wise as you have. Let me, you let know, me tell you, you my schemes to try to get these done. I really felt like I had figured this out. Um, so uh, for Risk Legacy, what we did is um, um, when my – brother and brother-in-law would come in town for uh, around holidays and stuff like that, uh, we would uh, set aside time to play a game of this or two games of this. And my dad too would, would join in. So there were four of us. Um, and so it was, I was trying to build a family tradition of when, when you guys come in town for the 4th of July, Thanksgiving, Christmas, whatever that, that holiday might be, whenever y'all come in town, hey, let's sit down and play a couple games of this. And, and then I had four kids and and I spend all my time at those family meetings now, like uh, running after like kids. Running after kids, yeah. and then I and then <laughs> when I would have like said, okay, the kids are in bed, let's play now. And now I'm like I'm exhausted. I want to go to bed, and so even that didn't you know pan out. Maybe it will you know as my kids get a little bit older, something like that, making a family tradition out of it would work. You know, with with a game like that, because then yeah, you're a couple, you're several months in between each game. Um, but w if it's a game like Pandemic or Risk, it, that's not a big deal. I don't, I don't feel like it. We, we were able to jump back in pretty quick um, when we were doing that. Um, and anyway, so that, that's one of the ways I tried to get it done. It didn't happen. So the, the main idea is um, how do you know if you um, would, would want to play one of these games because you can't just try them out? Exactly. And, and the, we, we've already mentioned that a strength of – pandemic and risk is that you've already had some kind of idea of the game because you can play a different pandemic or risk to find out if you kind of like the, the mechanics but games like seafall games like this charter stone that's coming out you don't really know 
Um, there is a game, and this may be slightly off topic, but um, I wonder if it's a compromise. That, that's that's kind of where I will I will legitimize this into our legacy topic here. That there's a compromise that I see floating around a little bit um, about games that aren't permanent, but they still try to use a legacy component. And it's not that the game changes permanently or that you get new information that you couldn't have like in games like Time Stories where, where it has a legacy element, but it's more knowledge-based than component-based. Um, but um, what do we have? We have a game like um, Max vs. Minions where you can always reset the game. Almost like a video game where it progresses, the game does change, the game state does change, but you can always reset it. And um, and another one that's coming out that is claimed none, we don't know anything about it like Charterstone but it's a it's a Cody Miller game that's coming out um, let me see if I pronounce this right it's um, Eridia Eridia the paths we dare tread which is going to be Cody Miller the 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 designer of um, Zaya um, and it's going to be his fantasy um, 4x game and he's calling it a green legacy game. Again, I, and this is a little slightly off topic, slightly kind of on a tangent, but the idea is it is a game you can reset. It is a game that you might get replayed. Do you think that ruins the legacy, or not ruins, but is that is that is that kind of cheating the legacy yeah. kind of genre? What do you think? Um, there, I've heard debates about this um, where you know. It, what is a legacy game exactly? What what all has to be there for it to be a legacy game? And um, for me, I, I, don't get me wrong, I would love playing any of those games. It doesn't matter to me if I can reset it or not. Um, um, and they very well, very well may may be legacy games. But I like the permanent change. I like the decision. I like the the feeling of consequence um, that comes yeah. from a permanent change decisions have weight yeah and and honestly though as, as i was thinking that i also thought you know what though if you're making a change in a game that you can later reset that change is still gonna you know uh, filter down over the course of many games and it's still gonna have some weight to it um but so i'm not gonna call those i'm not gonna say those aren't legacy games but i really feel like one of the big uh, strong selling points uh, of legacy games is the you know the reveal over time the story element and the uh, you know the the consequence of choice what about something like um what is it gloomhaven has a minimal isn't it like a, a minimal physical change but it, it does have that progression I think thing. so. I yeah, think I, I think the map changes slightly, but I don't know that you're actually destroying cards or not. I, I don't know. I haven't looked into this yeah, game. I'm not, not going to be one of those hardliners that says no; those are not legacy games. But yeah. I, but what I, you enjoy out of it is the fact that there is a, there is a um, some type of in, uh, permanent investment to what you've done, and, and, and yeah. by investment I don't mean monetary at this time, but but the way that you've spent time with the game and the way that you've been able to alter the game forever. I think what you said is, you know, that kind of sums it up for me, is I want to I frame that board at the end and go, wow, look at all the stories that we told, you know? And uh, that's one of the things I've been looking forward to the most, uh, I guess, is finally getting one of those 
on the wall and say, hey, look, look what we did, you know, and, and be able to recount the stories, you know, that, that came about because of that. And the kind of sense of group accomplishment, I, yeah. would, I would imagine you I get would, from that. I would imagine that anybody who's finished a legacy game, and if, if you're out there and you finished one, none of you regret that experience. Um, and I, w- I would assume that's that's the that's the case. No matter where you kind of stood on the continuum of of, uh, of where you wanted to, um, kind of where you fell before you started playing, finishing a legacy game would, would feel amazing. Um, I think I, I think the point of contention is uh, getting to that point. And yeah, I think with all gamers, I think with all gamers, time is the issue. I think we hear that all the time everywhere. Um, so, um, what are your thoughts? I mean, that's. That's that's kind of the thing, right? You can listen to us talk about it all day, but uh, some of you who who are kind of in that process, um, we'd love to hear your thoughts on uh, on legacy games and yeah. kind of kind of how you've approached this. This I don't know. It, it seems like because it's something you can't just try, it's it's a pretty bold move to 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 kind of cross that threshold. And uh, oh, yeah. and so anybody who's doing that, like that's that's a pretty exciting venture. Like like I think that would be that would be something that. Is, is definitely worth a conversation with us. Yeah. If money or time or anything like that is a constraint on you, then making that, you know, that kind of leap is, is a big deal. So, so if you want to rub it in our face that you finished, actually finished the Legacy game or you want to kind of continue this, this discussion uh, online, uh, check us out at, on, on Twitter. Just shoot us a message or, or a picture of your, your framed board. Uh, we're at, at PubMeeple on Twitter uh, as well as Instagram. Um, and also you can find us on Facebook or uh, our website at PubMeeple.com. And um, yeah, just man, as always, guys, I always enjoy having a good time, drinking a beer, and talking about some games with yeah, you guys. Man, it's so much fun. Yeah, so uh, I guess we'll see you guys uh, next episode. And as always, thanks for listening. And uh, don't forget, if if you enjoy our our content, uh, please uh, do go check us out on iTunes and write us a review. Have a good night. Or day, whatever it is you're doing right now when you're listening to this.